Sox fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we have some action to get to about the Ducks that we're going to cover as they go on the road. Uh, we're also going to talk about some of the upcoming games that they're going to play. Uh, we've got some injury uh, updates, which affected the uh, the cap with the Ducks, uh, just reported today. So we'll get to that, along with tons of fan questions. But uh, before the Ducks went on the road, Eddie, they had one last game in Anaheim. They played Colorado um, basically uh, blew him out of the water, especially in the third period. Uh, Jacob Silverberg came back, ended up scoring two goals. Uh, Nate Thompson came back in this game as well, and the Ducks looked pretty good with a 5-1 to one victory over Colorado. Yeah, and, and this is kind of what you've expected lately uh, when any team faces the Avalanche. Uh, I mean, it it's, it's almost... It's hard to explain how bad they really are this season until you actually watch a, uh, you know any team play them. It, and and it, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, you look at this team in, in a couple seasons ago, they, they dominated the Western Conference. They they made it to the playoffs. Obviously, they didn't go anywhere with it, but it, it's relatively the, still the same team. And it's, it's crazy to see how bad they're doing this year and just how disorganized they are. And I don't know if that's losing Patrick Waugh at the beginning of the season and having a new coach and, and, and everything like that. But it they're just awful. And, and the Ducks took advantage of them in this game easily. Silver grabbed a goal early. Uh, you know, Raquel had the, the second goal in, in the second period to give him the lead. Uh, they kind of fought back in the second period, had a little bit better, rotten, and scored a goal for them. Uh, but then the Ducks just took over in the third period, and, and you know, Holzer gets his first goal in like 100 games or something two years. So that, was, <laughs> that was great. I mean, if he's going to get it against any team, it's it's going to be the Avalanche. And, and then Silverberg had a great game this this game as well. But, you know, this is this is a game uh, against a team that you expected to win against, and they dominated in every aspect of this game. Yeah, the Ducks, you know, they played Colorado three times basically in the last couple weeks here and they ended up taking all the games uh they did what they needed to do and what they expected to do like you said um holzer got his first as a duck which was good to see uh ricard raquel got his 21st so he broke his uh, record of 20 from last season uh you know we even had a poll question up of how many he'll get this season Uh, and it seems like a lot of you think between 25 and 30 seems you know like an appropriate number so we'll have to keep our eye on raquel as he keeps doing well. And uh, special teams were good in this game. The Ducks only had one power play. They converted on that. Colorado had four power plays. They couldn't score on any of them. So overall, just a a very good effort, Eddie, before the Ducks went out on their uh, long road trip. Yeah, and then, like you said, they they go into Florida uh, for the first game of the road trip uh, and the first of a back-to-back against Tampa Bay the next night. And and they they played an okay game. you know they struggled to generate shots in this game, which seemed to be a trend for the for the first two games. They only uh, had 23 shots in this game. Gibson actually saved the game for them, and in some aspects, they outshot 37 to 23. Um, and it was a disappointing game. I, I mean, I think they deserved to at least get a point out of it. You know, they didn't play great offensively, but defensively, and obviously Gibson, they they both uh, they played great in those two aspects. But you know, it's disappointing. The the Panthers got a huge boost in this game. Uh, they got Barkov and Huberdeau back. Arguably, arguably their two best offensive forwards. They got back in the same game, um, and it made the difference. Uh, Huberdeau scored the the game winning goal from Barkov in, in the second period, 
Um, and it, it is a game that you you hoped they would get two points, or at least a point out of. We mentioned that in the last podcast. I mean, if they could get at least a point on all these road games and, and maybe win one along the way, then that would be a good start to the to the first three games of the road trip. But unfortunately, they weren't able to to pull it out in this game. Yeah, I think there was a few, you know, disappointing moments in this game. I think uh, the power play was one of them. You know, the Ducks had been scoring almost every game uh, in the last week. And then this game, they go, you know, zero for three. Uh, they only managed 23 shots on goal total. And they almost gave up 37. Uh, you know, I mean, almost 40 in this game. So, I mean, that wasn't a good sign. Um, and then Perry, we talked about, uh, you know, his struggles on the last podcast and this one, he had some chances in the third period and, and couldn't get it done. And, and we see him struggle in the Tampa Bay game too. And we'll talk about that. We've got more fan questions about how he's not been scoring. So, uh, a little disappointing, you know, uh, this Florida team hasn't been playing that great. Uh, like you said, they got back two of their, their key players, which helped them out. And, you know, it just seemed to be the difference. I mean, the, the Ducks, uh, you know, just came up one goal short in this one, Eddie, but um, definitely not a 60-minute game like they could have played. Yeah, and they're not capitalizing on the, the scoring chances that they have. The Reimer is known for giving up a lot of rebounds, uh, a lot of big rebounds in front of the net, and, and it was mentioned in the game by, by the commentators, and, and you could see it at times during the game. They weren't able to capitalize on, on the, those chances, and it's something that's become an issue of the with the Ducks as of late. Either you're usually not generating a lot of shots, um, you know, 23 in this one, uh, I believe it was 16 against Tampa Bay, and they're not getting quality chances and not converting on, on quality chances when they have them. So I think that's the issue of the Ducks as of late and something we didn't see in the earlier part of the season, but I guess something we expected when we were evaluating this team at the beginning of the season, and now they've moved into more of a defensive team in the top five goals against average, penalty kills great, you know, they're doing good defensively, but goal scoring has become a real issue for them as of late. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's been hard for them to get more than two goals a game, it seems like, unless they're playing Colorado, you know, uh, lately. It's it's just been kind of rough. And, you know, the other uh, unfortunate thing happened in this game, too, is Sammy Votnin got hurt. He left the game with a lower body injury. He was unable to play in the Tampa Bay game, and the Ducks ended up calling up uh, Brandon Montour to play in that game. So he had a little bit of injury trouble. Uh, you know, we've already got Stoner to prayer out, and we've got some updates on that as well. We'll get to in a little bit. But they had to bring up Brandon Montour. He played in the game against Tampa Bay. He got his first goal as a Duck or first goal, you know, in the NHL period, which was great. And the Ducks, you know, got off to a lead in this game. Uh, but, you know, they ended up losing this one. Um, they, they went to overtime. They went to shootout. They still got a point, but they lost this game. And a little bit of frustration. I mean, you look at the shots in this game, it was terrible. The Ducks only had 16 shots. Um, they, they only could muster a handful after the first period, you know, the first period, they seemed to be okay, uh, getting some scoring chances, you know, playing decent, you know, they had nine shots, uh, in that period alone, and then they could only muster seven, the rest of the game and none in the overtime. So again, the offense was another, um, issue in this game, Eddie, I think the ducks are fortunate to get a point out of this one. And, uh, you know, the only bright spot was at least uh, Montour came up and got his first NHL goal. Yeah, and, and like so that's a it's a different type of game to the last one where you thought they might have deserved a point against the Panthers. And this one, they were lucky to come out with the point, um, only generating seventh shots through the, the last two periods and, and overtime 
of the game is disappointing and and it really i mean we know this team is bad offensively we mentioned it before but that's that's unacceptable especially for a team that has weapons like getzlaff like perry kessler raquel silverberg and you're only generating 16 shots throughout a whole game and you had five power plays to to go with it i mean uh, it it's shocking. I, I mean, you look at the shots that Tampa Bay was able to generate. They had seven power plays. They ended up having 37 shots. I mean, when you have five power plays and, and you can only generate 16 shots, uh, I mean, they're just not, you know, I mean, just shoot the buck. At, at some point, you just got to shoot the puck and, and say, you know, if you're not generating a lot of chances, just throw it on net, generate shots, get rebounds. But it's just something they didn't do in this game. And, and obviously, like you said, it was, they were lucky to come out with a point and it was great for, for Montour to, to, uh, to get his first goal in the NHL, but another disappointing show by the Ducks offense in this one. Yeah, I don't know what happened these last two games, but it just seems like the Ducks, you know, chances have, uh, you know, gone down significantly. They're not getting as many shots on net as they need to, um, and they just need to fire the puck more, like you said. You know, you got to get a body in front, create a screen, and then just throw it up there, and, and it seems like they're not doing that. Sometimes they pass too much, or sometimes they try to, you know, get a certain shot and you know they were a little bit unlucky in this game too you know kessler had one that went off the post in overtime uh perry had his shot go off the post on the uh, the, the shootout to end it you know he had a chance to tie it and send it to a fifth round um so you've had a little bit of that going on in this game but i agree with you i mean you're playing tampa bay who's <laughs> struggling this season i mean surprisingly they're not up at the top like they were last year but they're another team that's not doing well and the ducks can take advantage in this game eddie yeah, and really, I mean, I get it's a back-to-back, and, and you know, you, it's hard to win these games on the back-to-back, so great getting a point. But these are two teams that, yeah, they are struggling, and Tampa Bay's been struggling all season. Florida's been struggling, but again, they did get Barkov and Huberto back, so it's understandable that that was a harder game than you would have expected. But, you know, Tampa Bay right now, they're last in the Eastern Conference, which is something somewhere we didn't expect them to be, and... You know they're they're not great at home. They're not great on the road. In their last ten, like we mentioned in the last podcast, they they haven't been that great. Um, and this is a game where you you hoped to come away with two points or at least put up an effort and, and show that you deserved the point that you got. So it, it's disappointing. And hopefully, there's you know there's the three games this week, and you're playing some uh, harder teams in in the Rangers and a little bit easier game in the Sabers. And hopefully, they can come out in these next few games. And, and play some strong uh, effort. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Ducks are still uh, in second place. You know, they're a couple of points behind San Jose, so it's not the end of the world. But, you know, some of these games, uh, you want them to, you know, try and, you know, like we said, get some more offense going um, and, and try to pick it up, especially in these three games coming up this next week. We've got New York, Buffalo, and Washington, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, they're not going to be all easy games, but definitely, you know, some winnable games coming up here. Um, and we'll just have to see how they do. You know, the trade deadline is going to come up. Uh, we're going to cover that again a little bit. I know in the last show we talked about uh, some possible moves, and with that we kind of have um, some news that goes into that as well. Some injury news. We had a uh, uh, William that asked about Dupre and Stoner. What's going on with those guys? We haven't heard anything about Dupre in a long time. Um, really don't know if he's going to come back, uh, if ever. So unfortunately, there's no update on Dupre. Now, Stoner, on the other hand, there is an update. They did put Stoner on the long-term injury reserve, just like Dupre is, and the Ducks now gained uh, some more room, uh, almost $2.8 million in um, cap space here. So it's kind of a big deal, Eddie, because we talked about this on the show 
last week about the Ducks trying to make moves, uh, you know, running out of cap space with Thompson coming back. Now that we see this move, Eddie, uh, it gives the Ducks some some breathing room here to do something in the next couple of weeks or or on the day of the de- uh, trade deadline. Yeah, it's something we talked about last week, and, and really we wouldn't have found out about it today because the only way, place we found out about it was on Cap Friendly that he was on there and did, you know, nobody's made it official. I don't think I've, I looked as as far as I could look, and I didn't see anybody report it. So, um, for at least from Cap Friendly, he's on the long term injury reserve, and and it gives them that space now to make a move that we talked about last week. Uh, you know, we talked about maybe trading Bernier, having to put Stoner on uh, you know the long term injury reserve, even if he wasn't fully injured. But now with him on it, they've got a close to three million dollars just under in, in cap space. Um, and that allows them to look at a little bit more options than we talked about last week. You can explore a trade maybe with the Avalanche. We saw Joe Sackick was at the Panthers game, which was, you know, usually when you see GMs at games, you say, okay, maybe they're just there. Like, Eiserman was there as well, and they played Tampa Bay the next day, so that is a little bit understandable. But the fact that Joe Sackick there was, was very interesting because Colorado had no game in the area, and they played at home the next night, so he was down there strictly to look at either players on the Ducks or on the Panthers, and it kind of leans more so towards the Ducks and with what Colorado's looking for. And maybe, you know, that gives you the freedom now to make a trade for, say, Gabriel Landeskog or for Matt Duchesne. Um, the last I've heard, the, the offers or the, the the asking price on those two players, especially Duchesne, are insanely high from, from the Avalanche right now. Uh, but it gives you the possibility to look in the, uh, at those avenues now, and then you look at Tampa Bay again, and maybe a trade involving Pilat or Johnson that kind of frees up the amount of space that you have to make a deal like that. Um, and it also you can look at rentals now as well. I mean, you've got two million dollars in cap space. You might be able to explore an option like Thomas Vanek now, or like um, a guy like Jerome McGinley if. Um, Colorado eats the some of the salary or Shane Doan or some of the other names that have been mentioned lately, that gives you the option to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what avenue they go to. Um, but now, not having to, to do some of the things we said last week, like trading Bernier, it, it gives them more freedom, and I think that is big heading into the trade deadline for the Ducks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we weren't sure if they were going to do this. We had talked about, you know, putting other players on long-term injury reserve, and the Ducks ended up doing this with Stoner. Um, so, you know, he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, if you have any questions about uh, long-term injury reserve, I do recommend going to Cap Friendly's website. Uh, if you go to capfriendly.com slash LTIR dash FAQ, that page really goes into a lot of it. So if you have a lot of questions on like how they do the formula and whatnot, because I am not a mathematician, so I don't understand all, all the math, but at least they break it down for you on there. And we know um, when they are on long-term injury reserve, they're, they're due to miss 10 games in the next 24 days. So that's how far out it would be before Stoner would come back. It would be you know basically almost a month. So I think the issue now is is – You've mentioned those other teams that you know have kind of been floating out there, Eddie. And we have a lot of fan questions asking about trades and whatnot from Thomas and Mike and a couple other people that ask. And I think part of the question now is, who would the Ducks move if they try to make you know uh, some kind of deal with those teams? And I think part of the issue in this too is we don't know what the deal is with Vatnin. You know, we mentioned his name, and he's got that lower body injury. We don't know how long he's going to be uh, out. So. You know, you take Stoner off the shelf. I mean, he's not going to, you know, go anywhere, uh, most likely. Um, and now the question is, do you send Botnin? Um, you know, because now you've got this 2.8 million about 
you know, space that's that's open there for the Ducks to make a move? Or do you think the Ducks may try to combo somebody? Maybe they, they send Botnan and then somebody from the miners to make one of these deals. Yeah, and, and there was a an article that I saw on Twitter uh, today that was referencing things said by Pierre Lebrun that the Ducks were looking at maybe making a bigger move than we've anticipated, and you know maybe more than just a, a Theodore a Montour, um, which kind of leans more. They didn't mention names, but that leans more to a, a move involving Sammy Vaughn, and and I guess that all revolves around you know his health and and when he can come back. But that would be the most likely option right now. I think if the Ducks want to bring in a forward that can help this team now, you you have to look at Sammy Vaughn. And like you said, you're not going to move Clayton Stoner anymore to free up cap space to go for, for a rental or anything like that. You're not going to move Fowler. You're not going to move Lindholm. And you're not going to move any of the forwards you have right now. And, and that really leaves only two options. You either move Vaughn in and you bring in a forward with term like James Arnimstek or Gabriel Landeskog or Tyler Johnson or somebody of that nature that has a little bit of cap space and is an established NHL player. Or then you look at the option of maybe moving Shea Theodore or Brandon Montour and bringing in a player. Uh, it limits the amount of cap you can you know, you can bring in because they're they're on their entry level deals. But you look at maybe bringing in a guy like a William Nylander from Toronto if they're looking at trading him and you know, swapping two entry-level guys, and obviously more would go into the deal, but that would be the premise of a deal like that. And, and I think with Vatnin being injured, it actually gives more of a look at Brandon Montour and seeing if he is ready to fill that role. And, and you know, you never want anybody to get injured, but this gives the Ducks a chance to get a longer look at Brandon Montour and see if he's ready. And and from the games that we saw him play, the one the last game against Tampa Bay and his previous games in the season, I personally think he is ready to take that step. I don't know if he's going to be as reliable as an impact as Sammy Vatnin is on every night basis, but I don't think he's such a downgrade right now and with his upside that you know you don't explore trading Vatnin. I I think that's the most likely option right now, and I think that's if the Ducks do make a trade for a forward, he's the most likely guy to to get traded in in the opposite direction. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, all signs point that way. Again, there was also another article out there. I can't remember who it was that wrote it, but they again talked about Fowler and reiterated that he is not going anywhere. So you look at all the situation we have on there, and, and that's where really where it looks to. Um, you know, we did have another fan question about the defense and moving players from Gary, and Gary asks about uh, Bieksa and whether or not you know Bieksa could be sent down to the minors. Um, you know, in that situation of trying to you know kind of bury the contract or or, or whatnot, but that's something that you can't do uh we saw nashville do it with ribero but the ducks can't do that uh that's the part of the problem with a dual movement clause the way that that works is it's not just trading that you're not allowed to do you're not allowed to put a player down in the minors without their consent so sending bxa down is not an option so you know you look at the stuff out there eddie like you talked about i mean unless like you said they go with a montour theater someone down in the bottom uh, in, in the minor leagues uh, normally i mean obviously they're with the team now but they could do that and they have received phone calls before we know that through you know through this last year or so that they've gotten inquiries about those two players that could be an option but in looking at the defense and, and hopefully botten and Southie just for his own sake but he's the one really that the spotlight's on yeah and you know this kind of shifted from the offseason where the spotlight was on 
Cam Fowler after Vaughn was re-signed and people saying that he's the most likely guy to get traded. But now with his play this season, I think he's as untouchable as anybody on this team right now. There's no way the Ducks are going to trade him right now. And and arguably in, in a league, in the league right now, a right-handed defenseman is more valuable than a left-handed defenseman, and I think the, you know, even with Vatnin struggling this season, you know, his value is as high as it's going to get. And I mean, it, unless he had 40 points this season and was playing out of his mind, then his value would obviously be higher. But you know, it's not going to really go up more than it is right now. And I think if the Ducks want to go far in this these playoffs, uh, I mean, losing him is not going to affect you defensively in a negative way um you know i think theodore and, and montour can step up and and fill his role in a way that's not going to hurt the ducks in the long run but when you're sitting 21st in the, in the league in goals per game you're not going to go far in, in the playoffs if you can't get somebody going and obviously we talked about perry has to get going um you know everybody else has stepped up really and, and he's dropped off and that's hurt the team but you can't push all your problems onto Perry and say, okay, we can just wait for him to get better and we're going to be okay. Even if Perry was a little bit better, the Ducks would still be at the midway point in goals per game. And I'm not expecting them to be in the top 10 or the top 5, but you know, when you look at every team around them with 60-plus points, they're the worst team in goals per game. They're the only team in the bottom third of the league out of all those other 11 teams. And that's a big problem. I mean, you're going to be facing some of those teams in the playoffs, especially if you go to the Stanley Cup final. You're going to be playing those Eastern Conference teams. And if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you're going to need another goal scorer. And, you know, like we've said multiple times, you know, the only real option to get that guy this season is to trade Sammy Votnin. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And that's what all the signs point to. And, and you know, if you want to do that, then you got Montour and Theodore to bring up, who obviously, you know, have uh, more hopefully more time in their playing career than uh, Botnan would have. So I agree with you there. And um, that kind of goes into another question, too, as far as these trades and what the Ducks should do. We had James asked about whether or not the Ducks could make the Stanley Cup final or, you know, how far would they go in the playoffs, you know, round one, two, you know, what would they end up? And we've kind of talked about this a few times before. But given the situation, what's going on now, with uh, Vatnin being injured, uh, the Ducks not just not really scoring as much, but kind of a, a lack of uh, offensive opportunities on top of that. It's not just that they don't get the goals, but they're not getting as many shots on net. I, I think uh, we've said this before that the Ducks will make the playoffs. That's that's not an issue. They're, they're in the running here. Uh, I wouldn't be concerned about that. But as far as them going far, it's going to be difficult that if they don't get another score – um, and Perry continues to you know be subpar because that's what he is. He's been subpar this season. Um, the Ducks are going to have to either rely on the defense to add some you know more points, uh, some other secondary scoring from the forwards, or they're going to have to ride Gibson and win games you know two to one, one nothing, uh, maybe three two. I mean, that's the thing you're going to have to look at is is going to be tight games um, come playoff time if the Ducks aren't able to get another uh, offensive weapon. Yeah, and. and- you look at who need who can step up from the way they're playing already to see if the Ducks, you know, like to see if their offense could take a step forward with who they already have. And you look at the players, you know, Kessler, 
step forward from last year. Getzlaff is, is pretty much on par. And I guess with goal scoring, he's taken a step forward since he's come back from his injury. He's had eight goals this season. Silverberg a step forward. Raquel, a huge step forward in his production. Fowler's been great this season. Cogliano's been good. Vermette's been better than we expected. Richie's taken a step forward. And we've had guys like Cremorosa and Cache come up and, and done better than we expected of them. I mean, really, you can't expect more than what you're getting from those guys because they're already producing more than we expected from them. The only guy who isn't doing what we thought is Perry, and and he's not playing terrible. I mean, he has 36 points, which is third on the team. He's still producing points, but he's only got nine goals, and that's the issue here. But even if he had 15 goals, you know, the Ducks would still be struggling offensively, and that's where it comes in. They need that other top six guy, creative forward, who can either put the puck on other guys' sticks and increase their goal total or score goals himself. And and that's where the the Ducks have to grab somebody at the trade deadline if they want to go all the way. I think, like you said, they can win maybe a couple a couple rounds at most if they rely on Gibson, if they can play good defensive hockey, if they can limit a team's chances, then maybe they can win a couple rounds. But a lot of things would have to go right for the Ducks to win the Stanley Cup with the team that they have right now. And if the, with the goal with the goal scoring output that they have from this team right now, I, you know, it, it's you're going to go up against teams like Pittsburgh and Washington in the Stanley Cup final. In the in the West, you're going to go against you know Chicago, Minnesota. You're going to go against the Sharks. You're going to go against teams that score goals on a regular basis every night. And you know, eventually, you're going to you're just not going to be able to defend them. Uh, you're going to have to outgun some teams. And right now, the Ducks aren't able to do that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at the Ducks roster. I mean, only one guy has more than 20 goals. That's Ricard Raquel. I mean, your next closest is Kessler, who's got 18. Uh, you know, obviously, Silverberg's out the back. He got those couple. Now he's at 15. You know, so you got those three. But after that, it, it falls off. I mean, you have Richie at 11, Cogdano at 10, and Perry at 9. So, I mean, it, you know, it's a little bit of a drop there. Um, there's not as much, like you said. And if the Ducks are going to try and get it done, uh, I agree. I, I think they're going to have to try to make some kind of move. Um, I think it's good news that they put Stoner on the LTIR, not for his sake, obviously, and his health, of course, but in terms of the Ducks trying to make a move and bring in somebody, that gives them some wiggle room, as you talked about, looking at these other teams, uh, especially Tampa Bay and Colorado with uh, Sackick and Iserman, you know, going to the game. That kind of comes up. Uh, I know you and I talked about Detroit before, which, you know, maybe with their cap situation might not quite work out, even though we had talked about Tatar and Nyquist, which are other ones that may have... Um, you know, been helpful to the Ducks. So I would keep the eyes open now. Uh, the situation's changed in the last week from when you and I had talked. And, it, and at least now we can look at the Ducks and go, okay, what is Murray trying to work on? Uh, we mentioned Bernier and, and signing all the other goalies, um, you know, last time, which now with this space, I, you know, that's probably less likely this week now going forward. And I think, like you said, that the Ducks will probably make a move to, uh, to bring in a forward and, like we said, the depth's at the blue line. Um, even with the prey and Stoner out, there's still room to do something, move one of those guys and bring it forward. And, and I really think that the Ducks are able to do a move. I mean, I don't expect them to do a whole lot of the trade deadline still, but I, I believe that that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, and you know, I'm kind of in the same boat where I don't expect them to make a huge move, but there is the chance this season. There is the making of a big move that changes the outlook of this team. Uh, I mean, the Ducks have the ability and and they have the assets to trade for a Ford that's not only going to help them now, but that's going to be a part of this team 
for the future. And we have, you know, the Ducks have to start trending towards that direction. They have a ton of great young defensemen. They have obviously Lindholm and Fowler, who we now expect here to be long for for the foreseeable future. Lindholm's can he's already signed for the next six years, and Fowler will, assuming Fowler will get a new contract at the end of the 2018-19 season. But you have got to start making room for guys like Brandon Montour and Shea Theodore. And the Ducks have the opportunity to move a guy like Sammy Vaughn, as great as he is and as great as uh, he's been for this team, to bring in a young forward like, say, a Gabriel Landeskog or, or somebody of that nature who is going to be able to help this team now. And, he, you know, he's, for example, with Gabriel Landeskog, he's only 24. You know, he's going to be with this team when the core of this team dies out and you can start to build around a player like that and bring in other pieces to, to transition this team um, into the next coming season. So I think if you're going to make a move like this, you have to either do it right now at the trade deadline and make this team better now or at the draft. And ideally, I would like to see them do it at the deadline. Uh, I think it's difficult, but you know, there's not a, there's not a lot of times where a player of that caliber, and, and like Duchesne and Landis Cog, and some of the other names that have been mentioned this season of those guys that are available and that you have the the ability to make that trade. You know, both of these teams have the pieces that each team wants. So, you know, you you can't wait too long and risk that he's not going to be available when you want to make that trade. And I think the Ducks can't pass up on up on an opportunity like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and I, I hope that they do make some kind of move like that, especially with Colorado. You know Colorado's total rebuild mode. I mean, that's what they're going to, you know, uh, be and head and, you know, do next season too, probably, unfortunately for them. But they're going to have to figure out their um, team situation. They're going to have to unload some players with some of the cap. And, and those names have floated around, like you said, for the last, you know, month or two now. So, I mean, is it going to happen? We don't know. But, I mean, that's a, a good good situation if the Ducks can work that out um, because like we said uh, you know with Perry struggling and only a handful of the guys really producing the goals um, that's what the Ducks going to need and that's what's going to get them from you know going into the playoffs and, and going out in the first or second round as opposed to getting to the Stanley Cup final yeah and it'll be it'll be interesting to see it's going to be a, a, a crazy month for the Ducks I mean we talked about how last uh, deadline was going to be a crazy uh, deadline for the Ducks, but this one with the players that are available and with the moves that the Ducks have the ability to make, I mean, this is going to be <laughs> an intense one. I mean, I hope this one is more exciting through the first couple hours than it was <laughs> last season. I mean, for the last for the for last uh, trade deadline, we were sitting there for about five hours waiting for the Ducks to <laughs> yep. do anything, literally waiting for anything to happen. It was a it was a pretty boring trade deadline last year, but with some of the names available this year, especially with the center of attention going to be the Colorado Avalanche and the fact that the Ducks are in the mix on, on those two players. Um, I think it'll be exciting. I mean, hopefully something gets done and we get to have a little bit more excitement for the first few uh, hours of this trade deadline this year. I don't think I can take a, another one where we're sitting there for, for five <laughs> hours twiddling, twiddling our thumbs talking about uh, a minor league trade between two two other teams. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, February 28th is the deadline. Uh, Eddie and I will be available. We're, we're maybe going to do a live show. We're not sure yet. We're trying to look at some options. Some of the stuff that we used in the past is, hasn't, um, is actually extinct. So we'll look and see. If not, we'll definitely be on Twitter and Facebook posting updates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we'll obviously have a, a podcast show for sure going about it. But as the next weeks come, we'll talk about it more and more and provide some updates and you know um, go into it. And I, like you said, yeah, I hope something happens and i hope it's not oh the ducks make a couple moves in the last second and they're just so so moves um so with that we'll we'll catch up on all of that um at, at the end of the month and uh, the ducks are still on the road trip they still got uh, four more games to go here uh they're going to be playing the new york rangers buffalo and washington so it's still not an easy trek ahead of the Ducks, Eddie. I mean, uh, New York's a team that, uh, you know, they're playing okay. They're not playing great, but they're still uh, in the mix in the East. Um, you got Buffalo, who's not been playing as well, and that's probably a game that, you know, we'd hope the Ducks get two points out of. And then they've got Washington, who, of course, you know, has just been dangerous as ever. Yeah, and this game to start uh, this week against the Rangers is going to be a tough one. And, yes, they've been struggling compared to their early season form. And they're not so great at home. They're a lot better on the road, which is actually surprising. It's, it's something you don't see from a lot of teams. That, you know, they're 18-7 and seven on the road, which is amazing. Like I think that's probably the league best on the road in the NHL. And then their home record is only 15-11-1. So, I mean, it doesn't, you know, any team, especially going into MSG, it's going to be a tough game. And against the Rangers, who are... Uh, just a team that can score a ton of goals this season. He's sitting second and goals per game for a reason. So it'll be a tough one. Um, I think it'll be a defensive battle. The Ducks are going to have to try and contain some of the, the Rangers stars like Rick Nash and Mika Zibinijad and Derek Stepan. And they've got a lot of offensive weapons on this team. And you would expect that, that Henry Lundqvist will be in goal. So it'll be a tough battle. Um, it'll be a, I think it will come down to to go key uh, you know key chances in this game if the ducks can can score on those chances we talked about it in the game against Florida and the game against Tampa Bay you know they need to put away chances that they have you know we talked about Perry missing the the open net um the hitting posts and and whatnot so i think it's going to come down to you know contributing on those key chances if they're going to beat the rangers in this first game yeah, I agree, and that's what they need to do. They need to cash in on the chances. I mean, against the Rangers and, and the rest of these teams. I mean, uh, Buffalo um, is the one that they'll play after that. You know, they're struggling. They're in seventh place in the Atlantic. They haven't been doing as well. Um, that's one that you know I'd hope the Ducks pull out two points in that one, but you never know. Uh, you know, Buffalo just you know blew away Ottawa for nothing. So you know, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, when you play on any given night, um, definitely Washington is going to be a, a big test for the Ducks. Um, that's going to be a tough one. Um, also, with you no, know, as we said, with Botten and out, you know, look to maybe see Montour playing some of these games or Theodore playing some of these games and get some more experience. You know, especially on Montour, you know, um, he's looking good, especially with the slap shot that he uh, put for his goal. So. Um, and it doesn't get any easier after Washington too, Eddie, you know, the ducks will finish the road trip against Minnesota and not, you know, the ducks, uh, drop those games that they played against the wild earlier this season. So these next four games are going to be a big test for the ducks. Uh, you know, you'd hope that they'd come out with points, like I said, against Buffalo, but New York, Washington and Minnesota are all going to be tough games. Yeah. And, and this is, I think is a turning point 
for the Ducks if they're you know in their pursuit for a player in a trade. I, I think if they struggle to score goals against some of these top teams like the Rangers and the Capitals in the Wild, you know if they continue to struggle and, and not be able to produce in games against top opponents in the league, I think that's a turning point for them to say, hey. We've got to make a deal here if we're going to push and win a Stanley Cup. And we know they're all in this season. They have to be. I mean, you look at the team and the core is aging. You know, they've only got a couple seasons left where this cup window is going to stay open for us with Getzlaff, Perry, and Kessler. So these next three, uh, I guess Buffalo as well, but especially the three games against the top teams, they, this is a defining point for them. Um, and if they struggle in, in these games, I think we could definitely see a big change um, especially coming towards the the trade deadline. Yeah, and with that, the trade deadline is you know it's almost uh, three weeks away to the day, so it's coming up here. Um, and like we said, we we think the the playing field's kind of changed a little bit with Stoner on the LTIR. Looks like there's some more room and, and some stuff that could happen, as you know we talked about in the show. And uh, we'll be back next week with another one, and hopefully, uh, you know the Ducks pull out some of these games and score a little bit more goals, get some more shots on net. And uh, we'll cover it all for you and answer your questions as well. So see you in a week. Let's go Ducks.